Hey friends, welcome to Financial Fixer. I'm your host, Amanda Delaney. This podcast is for women who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. This is the place where we get real and talk about our money even when it's hard. I help women step out in courage, take control of their money, and build the confidence to take the ultimate journey to financial independence. In this show, I share my best nuggets from the framework I used to get my own shit together and clean up my money mess. These systems and strategies are the same when I work with my one-to-one clients and community members. We practice daily practical and actionable habits that may seem tiny, but have mighty results. So if you're ready to get excited about your money and turn your confusion into clarity, and maybe even get a little triggered into getting your ass in gear, listen up, because your future matters. Hello and welcome back to the Financial Fixer podcast. Thank you so much for joining again. Thanks for hanging out with me. I really do appreciate you here and I am going to try to keep this intro nice and short. I have a friend and a client of mine and also a fellow podcaster, Dr. Christine J. Hughes. She is the host of the podcast called Beyond the Couch and we're gonna be doing some real talk today going beyond the budget, talking about all things life, school, health, wealth, mental health, and I'm just not gonna take too long to introduce her. She is uh, awesome, and I'm going to also plug in her podcast in the show notes. I listen to it myself, and I thoroughly enjoy it, and I know that you will too. So without further ado, I'm going to take it to the interview. We'll talk to you soon, girl. All right, I have hit record, and my friend, Dr. Christine J. Hugh is on here with me and I'm so excited to have you girl. I love how I just, in the same sentence, I called you doctor and I called you girl. I love it. How cute is that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Anyways. So I really appreciate having you on this podcast and I can't wait to get into all the juice with you. So You are my friend and my fellow podcast host. You have a show called Beyond the Couch. Mm -hmm. Um, And I told you a funny story the other day how I almost called my podcast before I launched it Beyond the Budget, which I thought was really funny. I did not know you then. And uh, when I met you through your podcast originally, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so aligned. Like I was yes. so going to call my podcast. That That's so wild. Decided, it is wild. It. Like before I decided to go like straight with my brand, it just made so much sense because what I do in the financial world and through personal finance is very much beyond the budget. It yes. is so much deeper than that. And um, yeah, it doesn't have to be all about the budget. So just like with what you do, it doesn't have to be all about being on the stuffy couch and (laughs) all that jazz, you know? So we met and connected through a podcast community and I'm so grateful to be connected with you and to now be working with you. It's so cool. And um, just please tell us a little about you, your practice and how you like to show up for your audience on your show. Yeah. So thanks for having me. This is so exciting. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, I'm Dr. Christine Jehu. You could call me Christine. You could call me Jehu. You call me doctor. You can call me whatever you want. A combination of the three is fine. Um, so yeah, I'm a licensed psychologist and um, my day job is as the sports psychologist at a division one university. So my, we'll get into this later, but I have three degrees. I've got my undergrad in, um, clinical psychology with a minor in studio art, which a lot of people don't know. 
about that piece, the art piece. Oh, wow. um, my master's degree is in, um, did I just, I said my bachelor's, my undergrad is in, Yes. sorry, it's been a long day. We were up at 6 a.m. with rowing, tis the life <laughs> of a sports psychologist. So yeah, so awesome. undergrad is in, is in clinical psych. Um, master's is um, kinesiology, but it's a concentration in sports and exercise psychology. So that's where the sports psych comes in. And then my PhD is in counseling psych. So I am a licensed psychologist and I can do the mental health, the general counseling, but also do individual sport performance work um, with our student athletes. I do group workshops, things like that. There's 9,000 things that I do in my job and I absolutely love it. Um, and then I also have a podcast. It's called Beyond the Couch. It's mental health conversations without the psycho babble because I am not your everyday stuffy ass PhD psychologist. I like to have a good time. I drop F-bombs. It's just how we roll. Um, and the goal of the show is to break the stigma of mental health, normalize help seeking, and just really help people get some tips and tricks and tools to how to live a thriving life. Um, and yeah, we're not, it's not like coming to, to psych class. It's down to earth conversations with mental health heroes and uh, different things like that. I think it is so freaking awesome what you do. I've obviously listened to a couple of your podcasts and it must be kind of tough though, like without, you know, because you are a clinical psychologist mm -hmm. or is it psychiatrist? Psychologist. Psychiatrists okay. are um, medical you don't doctors. Prescribe. I don't right. prescribe. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So like, you know, because you are licensed, right. And you have your brand and your message through your podcast. Do you find it difficult? And sometimes a little like, um, you know, like you have to be careful in some ways with maybe the things that you say, or do you just kind of have to prompt or lead in with like, okay, this is not any, I've heard you say, um, you know, this is no recommendation for, you know, this is not therapy. You, you know, mm -hmm. you should seek therapy and things like that. Um, like is, is that, is there any kind of legality or issue with that? Or, you know, do you just, I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, so it's tricky and like, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know lawyers out there if I'm doing something it wrong. It seems like me. it's a little tricky. That's um, why I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I have the caveat in the, the opening that it's, you know, a podcast is not mental health treatment and I offer resources in the show notes of every mm -hmm. episode and really like my goal isn't, it isn't treatment. It isn't, we're not talking diagnoses. It's more of let's one, like share people's stories and, and okay. give connection and hope um, to the folks listening. But also I have a lot of clinicians come on to talk about what it looks like to work with them because we don't all do the same thing, right? And, and we don't all specialize in the same things. They're like, I don't treat eating disorders because I wasn't trained to treat eating disorders. Um, just like, you know, my friends don't work with athletes because they weren't trained as sports psychologists. Um, so we're, I'm, the goal is to really help people understand what they're getting into when they go into therapy. So I'm kind of reaching the, the people who are, you know, either they're totally on board with therapy and they're just like, give me all the mental health stuff, you know, any, any way you slice it. But mm -hmm. I really want to help people like not be scared of therapy, not be scared of mental health providers. Like I can't tell you how many times I've people are like, so what do you do? And I'm like, hey, I'm a psychologist. And they literally like 
physically take steps away from me. And I'm like, yo, give me 30 seconds and you're going to realize that I'm not your typical therapist. Um, So I just, I I want it to not be scary or, um, you know, frowned upon to talk about our emotional and mental well-being because it, like, our brain operates the rest of our body. So how we got disconnected, our, our mind from the rest of our body, um, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that, but I want to, I want to bring them, bring them back together and just help people see that like, we can talk about all sides of our health equally. Yeah. There's no question that our brains lead to our actions. And when we disconnect the two, it's like not being cognizant of what we're doing with our actions. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't talk clinically or, you know, scientifically about that, but it, it makes perfect sense to me. So tell me a little bit about how you, um, I'm just really, I, my husband is a sports fanatic. I told you that like (laughs) you really probably have his dream job. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you get into the mindset work, um, and the mind behavioral therapy with your, um, clients that are, um, you know, sports in the sports industry college yeah that is yeah so um there's so many different ways that we could go with this question um because it really depends on what the person's coming in for right so if they're coming in specifically for that the sport performance related pieces that's going to look one way versus if there's a mental health piece that's going to look another way and then the blend of those you know it's kind of like you bring those two types of treatment together but i think for me in my in my work kind of no matter how you slice it, I really work from a narrative perspective. And so for me, the stories of our life, um, the stories that we're telling ourselves, the stories that we've lived, the stories that we hope to live are really driving everything that we do. And so- Oh my gosh, this is so true. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, people always joke like, why do therapists always ask us about our parents? Well, your parents Mm -hmm. or the humans who raised you are the humans- who raised you, right? Like you learn about the world, how to respond to the world, how to be in the world from the humans that you spend the most time with. So like, we need to understand that. We need to understand the messages that are coming from them, how, if, why you internalized them, um, what they were and how it's impacting you. So a lot of what I do is this dance between past, present and future. And like with athletes, especially working with division one athletes, There are some who are really hoping to go professional. Um, There are some who are just really happy to play at that next level and potentially get their school paid for. Um, And then there are others who just like, they love the sport. And so they're there and they're going to play it as long as they can. And they're going to be happy doing it. And so understanding why they're there, how they got there, and then where they want to go is a lot of For me, understanding that framework helps me figure out, okay, cognitively, behaviorally, where where are we going to start making interventions, right? If somebody wants to go pro, like let's say somebody's experiencing performance anxiety and maybe some conflict within their team and and not like super negative conflict, but maybe something's just not clicking. I I need to understand where they're going because that's going to well, where they want to go, because that's going to help me understand, okay, then how are we interpreting this, right? If you have somebody who's trying to go pro, and they're super pissed off at their teammate, who's there to have their college paid for, and they're making bonehead decisions, 
because they're they're not trying to go pro. The person trying to go pro is is going to experience some conflict with that other person because that person's actions are impacting their future, right? So helping oh them understand yeah. like mm-hmm. <clears throat> where they want to go and how they're experiencing their present moment based off of the past and their desires for the future um, helps make a lot of sense. And then we can, with that understanding, a lot of times it's like, oh, you know, those aha moments where it's like, oh, that makes sense. And then we can start to understand and look at what we're experiencing from a different angle or through a different lens. And um, I mean, that's just like scratching the surface of kind of. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess, yeah. So I, I probably just scratched the surface in a similar way um, with my clients, you know, and their surroundings and the people that are there to be their support or their partners and things like that. So, um, what you were talking about when it comes to other people having a different direction and a different, you know, their vision is again, not exactly this. It's not the same vision as what say my client might have a vision of, I want to be out of debt because I want to go travel and their partner may have a vision of, well, I don't really care about the debt because I like to stay home, you know, and this is just like a high level, you know, example, but or the person that's like, who cares about the debt? I'm going to die anyways. Let it die with me. Right. Like there's, there's so many different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's like that all the time. There's never in, in each partnership, there is always a different direction for each person. And what it in like to find the alignment is what it sounds like you do as well. The way that I see the alignment there is like how, you know, again, when you're, when you're in a partnership or in a team, right. With mm-hmm. someone else or with a group, you know, n- everyone might have like a similar place that they're trying to go, but it's not, it doesn't look the same, like, you know, because there's different reasons why, and there's different ambitions and and so on. So understanding what the other person's ambitions are and accepting them for their ambitions and what they want to do. And then, you know, keeping your, I guess, side of the street clean and, you know, doing your thing for yourself. Um, You know, it takes work. It takes a lot of mindset work you know? Yeah. So, it's, well, and I think about like, like with finances and using the sport analogy, you know, you could have two people who are like, they're playing the same sport, but they've been playing at different levels and they've had different coaches. Right. And like, yeah. sometimes there's sort of a different style of play, like soccer is my sport. So like, there's kind of different styles of play across countries or, you know, from wherever you're living So it's just, it's learning how to come together and figure out, you know, what level am I at, right? Can I budget? Can I not budget? Do I have credit? Do I not have credit? You know, like we got to come together and get under the same coach. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Oh my gosh. So as far as like the sacrifices that you had to make in all of your schooling and you know, just to get here to today, you know, for your advanced degree, can you talk a little bit about maybe like school choice or the things that you, you know, did through your getting your, your degree, like that maybe you might do differently. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I spent seven years in graduate school. (laughs) Uh, The first two years I lived. Is it supposed to be about seven years? Or, you know, it it really, it really depends on like what field you're in. But for us, because sports psych is still 
uh like a little bit newer yeah yeah we're I guess when I was going through school my my mentor said that we were third generation sports psychologists so it's very like it is a new field so we're probably what in the fifth or sixth generation at this point so um yeah, so I I knew I wanted to go the sports psych route because I knew this is where I wanted to be, but I also needed to learn more about the field, right? And so as I was in my master's degree, I realized that I was really drawn towards the life side of things and knew that it didn't feel right to me to refer people to a counseling center because if you know anything about a division one athlete, there are so many, so many people that they're responsible to. Um, and so I wanted to be able to do all of it. So then I did the, the PhD. And so, you know, a lot of PhD programs in clinical or counseling psychology are going to be, uh, like a five, anywhere from like a four to six year program, just depending on how it's structured, how much research they require you to do. Some of them you earn a master's in process. Um, so I did my two year master's, which would have set me up to be uh, like a sports psychology consultant, but I couldn't do any of the mental health stuff. So then did my PhD program was designed to be um, three years of coursework and a year of an internship. But because I was coming in with a Kines major or Kines masters, I needed to get a whole bunch of master's level classes yeah. in mm -hmm. process. And my, uh, my advisor was like, Hey, we could, we could rush you through or not rush you, but like pack your schedule and get you out in time. And I was like, no, no, no. I want to do this. Right. I don't want to be yeah, like overly that. stressed the whole time. Mm -hmm. My father had also been diagnosed with cancer the summer leading into my PhD program. So I was like having all of that mm -hmm. navigating. And so I was like, no, like I'll just take an extra year. So I did four years on campus and then the year of the internship. Um, so I, I took it, I chose to take an extra year, but it's not uncommon for people mm -hmm. to take extra time for their dissertation to get more, um, like clinical placements and things like that. So, so yeah, so I, I lived about three hours from home for my master's and then I did my PhD in Memphis, which was 12 hours from home. And so that was just, I mean, in and of itself, a sacrifice, um, to be away from friends and family, my entire support system. I knew nobody. I knew nothing about Memphis. And the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand, um, and, and if they don't have folks in their immediate circle who have done advanced degrees, like you only have a certain amount of say in where you end up. Like you have choice at the beginning of where you apply, but it is highly, highly, highly competitive, um, especially in, in my field to get into a PhD program. And so you know, Memphis ended up being the perfect place for me. But yeah, there were sacrifices in terms of just going to graduate school is a huge sacrifice, time, mm -hmm. money, um, time in the in the in the job field, right? So um so that was a sacrifice being away from home and like just choosing to immerse myself in academics, which didn't leave a lot of space to do you know, just life things. So there wasn't a lot of travel. There wasn't a lot of building relationships with people outside of my program. And then financially huge sacrifices because I have a shit ton of debt from seven years of graduate school. So yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I com I completely, you know, and obviously we're going to talk about that a little bit because yeah. we're, you're in my program as well. So, you know, what about the cognitive load? You mentioned that to me the other day and it really kind of like resonated with me because I find, I call it, um, I, I read it somewhere, um, compassion's disorder or something. Oh, I don't compassion fatigue. It, yes. Compassion fatigue. <laughs> I yeah. heard that the other day yeah. and like, I really feel that sometimes, especially mm -hmm. in what I do, like it's mm, extremely yeah. emotional going through a lot of healing. Financial yeah. trauma is extremely, um, you know, it's brutal. Yeah. And I, I found myself like thinking I probably should get some help with this because I also should separate that as well. Like, is that yeah. something that affects you? Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that we that we're trained in is to not take on people's stuff right i think there's a misconception that um that it's our responsibility as the clinician to quote unquote fix somebody yeah we're and we're not professional advice givers right like we are skilled sure. in helping people navigate their stuff unpack their stuff and then figure out what to do and certainly there are more severe mental health things that that maybe the work is a little bit more tangible. There might be medication involved. There might be like an inpatient treatment situation. Um, but it's not my job to give people advice and tell them what to do. You know, there might be a little bit of like, Hey, here are some tips and tricks, that sort of thing. But then it's up to the person to, yeah. to do what they're going to do when they, when they leave the room. And so, you know, that in and of itself, um, at least for me, I can only speak for myself. Myself, yeah, of course. Uh, I allows me to enter into this space differently than I would with a friend or a family member or a partner, mm -hmm. right? Like, I know my role in that interaction, and that role creates some separation. And as I'm saying that, like, I don't want it to sound cold because I do care. My gosh, I care so deeply about my clients. There are yes, of people that I worked with five and six years ago that I still think about. And I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder how they're doing. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of, and, and this may be me, right? Like my history as an athlete, I have a lot of routines through my day mm -hmm. that help me intentionally enter a space and then intentionally leave the space. So before we started recording, we were talking about like the different types of computers that I have at work versus at home. So routines throughout the day that help me know like what space I'm in to help me get into, you know, my zone of optimal performance for therapy. And so it's, it's as, as simple as when I walk into my office, the, the order that I turn my lights on. And then when I leave, I turn them off in the backwards order. Oh, I and then, you know, I'll, I have um, a work backpack, right? I have like one of the backpacks, like the student athletes have and all my work stuff stays in it. And it doesn't yes. spew all over the house. It stays in the backpack and that backpack has one chair and it stays yeah. there. But, you yes. know, pandemic life, maybe some things will come to the office, you know, the home office, but I keep it very contained. I don't do work stuff on my personal computer. Um, actually, one of the, I started going back to the office earlier than most of campus because like my part of um like I'm in the sports medicine clinic. And so I could go to my office and still do telehealth because I needed that the drive in 
and the drive home to unpack the day and have some separation. I have two cell phones, like work gave me a cell phone and I have a personal cell phone. They were like, we'll just take over your plan. And I knew I needed that separation. Um, so those thing when I was in corporate, I did the same thing. I had two phones the entire time. I never canceled my personal line for that reason. That was, that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's doing that, but then it's also building in time throughout my day to make sure that I'm having lunch. And even if I'm having lunch where I'm, you know, at my computer or whatever, I try to at least disengage from work stuff for at least 15 minutes. And I might be watching Instagram stories or listening to a podcast or, you know, mm-hmm. I'm now that the weather's getting nicer, I'll go outside and eat lunch. Um, but to step away and let some of what I'm hearing um, move through me. Right. And, yeah. you know, I think one of the well, I don't want to label it, but one of the things that's different in this position versus when I was working in a, in a general college counseling center is I'm not, I'm not working with as much suicidality, as much intense depression as I was in, you know, a general counseling center. So the work has a different flavor. I'm not hearing as much suicidality or really like um, like major depressive disorder. Sure. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's sadness, there is some suicidality, but it's, it's a smaller portion of my caseload versus, you know, at a counseling center, I could be doing hella risk assessments, four out of five clients. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the emotional load on me and just like that, the, the demand from me and the pull of my energy is, is so different. And especially when we're talking sport performance, I get so energized because I'm like in it with them and like just pumped. And so, and they're a different, different kind of, different kind of client, right? They're used to, um, being coached, right? Like you go out, you try a thing, you make an adjustment, you try it again. So to get this feedback and to have the opportunity to try something out and come back and talk about it and make adjustments. They're primed for that. So the pacing and the dynamic is just, is is different. So it keeps me charged up um, differently than, than the clinical practice two years ago, which is so amazing. Like I, I think I get, I get a lot of the same feelings too. And I have done some routines to separate it. And I think the biggest thing, what for me was taking it away from my home that really helped Mm. me a lot for sure. Um, you know, just to kind of like save the space for when it's time and when it's not time, you know, it's not, I don't have any space for it. Right. So, um, but it takes work definitely takes work. So I'm going to move on just so that our internet doesn't. Yeah. Oh Oh my God. Um, so I am super grateful that that's just, just, let's just transition this real quick. I'm so grateful that you chose me to ride in the passenger seat with you through this stage of your financial journey. You've just become a client. We're doing a program together. For me, student loans is like the core of my beef with any kind of debtor in the world. Like it's the worst, like I despise it. So I, I just first want to tell you how proud I am of you making the decision to not conform, right? To not, you know, you're making the conscious conscious decision to not accept that you'll die with your student loans. 
you know, you told me that the other day and it just like seriously resonated with me because I see so many uh, people that are just like, well, I'm just, you know, this is how it's going to be. I, I'm drowning in it and I'm just, you know, I'm, so I'm just going to do nothing, Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. There is, if I could get out of six figures in debt, anybody can, it just, it takes work and time and patience and consistency. So I just commend you for that. You know, um, you're going to do something about it. So tell me a little bit about how you're feeling and, you know, the things that we've done so far, we've done some activities so far, some exercises and, um, you know, just tell me where you're at with that. Yeah. You know, and I feel a a need to just be really transparent with the listener. Um, because I think that you hear Dr. Jehu and people think like, oh, you must be swimming in cash, right? Like they call you doctor. Okay. So seven years of graduate school, it was all student loans. So I have over $150,000 in student loan debt. It's bananas and pajamas. Um, and like, we don't make, I'm not rolling in dough people. Like, let's just be <laughs> clear. Right. And it's, yeah. um, it's unfortunate because as mental health providers and especially, um, with COVID, we, everyone's looking to us to like fix the things and take care of the people. And then there's such a high demand for mental health services. And so it's like, how, how do we reach out to other people for our own mental health needs when we know that there's a massive shortage going on right now? So um, it really, really irritates me when people talk about how expensive therapy is, because you're not going to talk about how expensive, I mean, maybe you will like talk about your specialist at the doctor, but you're going to go, right? And you actually have like insurance coverage for it. We did the same thing. We go and we get specialization and years of training. And um, I I just feel like, I feel like society disrespects what we've done. And people think, oh, I'm just going to go to my hairdresser and get my mental health needs. Like your hairdresser is awesome. And they're specialized in cutting your hair. They're not your therapist. Um, So we are worth, <laughs> we're worth the money, right? Like if you got a good therapist, we're worth the money. So Every I just want to, yeah, I want to just clear that up and like working, working at a university, like I get it. It's a system and it, whatever. And I'm thankful, so thankful for my job and we could all be treated better financially. Um, yeah. So the, the work that we've done, um, you know, I think I've already, I'm making, changes. I have my eyes opened and I've done, I've done a lot of work, um, prior to meeting you and getting out of a significant amount of consumer debt and, and finding some systems that work for me. But this is like that mountain of, of stuff that I'm like, how, how do I even approach this? What is realistic? How can I, how can I make this go away? You know? Um, and so I've just loved that your the first step was all of all about awareness and really digging in and finding out where's the money going and with no judgment right you're just like let's talk about it it is where it is mm-hmm. you know you've been there so you get it um and so just putting it on paper like i found a freaking subscription to flow sports that i didn't realize i had still cuz i was trying to watch you know a game of our athletes going somewhere and so then i canceled that and i realized i had all of these supplements and things that I'm using and I, I use them, right. I, and I have been using them diligently, but recently I realized like 
I was having some health complications with one of them. So I like slashed that and that was like $200 worth of stuff every month that I'm like, let's go. We can put that towards something. So just really feeling empowered by the plan and empowered by um, like knowing where everything's going and being just super intentional. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so proud of you for that. I mean, it's, that's what it is, is just taking intentional action and just in the small little tiny bites. So, you know, I, I, and as you can imagine, I have all different spectrums of, of clients, you know, client types, right. Personality types. We were talking about personality types the other day (laughs) and, you know, and there is um, something to be said for um, different personality types, having different types of debt or different types of spending behaviors. And of course, a lot of that falls under the core of the way we were born um, into bias beliefs and, you know, systems and patterns and, you know, you, you, you get all of that, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so our, our spending behavior can really be impacted by the way that we were just, you know, the things that we caught and we weren't even taught. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and just doing when I just want to ask you a question about this, the the action steps that I gave you as far Mm -hmm. as like filling out the templates and stuff like that, like they're extremely simplified and almost like, you know, Oh, this is easy. Like, you know what I mean? Like almost like a, not a big deal, but I, I want to, from your perspective, what do you think about just, you know, taking those steps in order, even though they're very simple, like how it just relieved you of the complexities of, any kind of confusion that you may have had, you know, like, yeah. did you feel like you became clear? Yeah. One of the things I, I always say to my athletes is that, and I say this on the podcast all the time, is that it's the, it's the small, unsexy actions done consistently over time that get you to the big, sexy outcome. Yes, and I think totally. we, as humans, we complicate things far too much. And, oh my God, and I, we so do. There's some sort of belief that like there has to be this high production value or some complexity, which might be the reason why we're not taking the small unsexy actions consistently over time. Right. So I think one of one of the things that your your pages do, the spreadsheets is you give the roadmap, like you give the template and it's as simple as like, here are the debts, here are the potential kinds of debts what that does is reduces the overwhelm and gives us a target, right? You know, I was, as I was filling it out, I was thinking about the Christine five years ago, who was, you know, early in my career getting paid shit ass money and like just drowning in this debt, consumer debt. And um, like, it was just terrifying to look at it. And so I, I was glad that I wasn't there. And this time I was like, oh my gosh, like, look at where I have money, right? Like, that's not a problem of like having money coming in, but it's like, oh, yikes. Like, what are you doing with that money, Jehu? And like, why are you spending it there? You know, so it was, yeah. it was this awareness piece and, and having the roadmap and just saying like, okay, well, I'm not like, I'm not spending here. So woo, let's go. Right. So like having some bursts of excitement of realizing, hey, other people have got a lot of debts here. And I don't have an American Express and a MasterCard and a Visa, but like I've got this one and it has zero balance, you know? So there's like wins and awareness and excitement um, and like a moment of 
just checking yourself as you're going through it. Yeah. Well, the feeling of a comp, like just the checking off the, you know, checking the boxes, right. And just kind yeah. of filling out a form, you know, filling something out, just simply filling something out, adding some numbers to it. And it can, it can be, it's just extremely freeing, you know, it's just the act of accomplishing an exercise or a task. It's just like checking off a to-do list. You feel good. You feel accomplished. And now it's like, okay, well, there's this and I can do this with that now, like, because I'm fully aware and I've, I've shined a light on something. And what's really cool about it is you go from being completely overwhelmed, anxiety stricken, feeling sick to your stomach. I mean, this happens to every, all the time, you know, like yeah. where you're just, uh, oh my gosh, I, I I'm fearful to talk about this. And then once you do, it's, it's like, it just completely lifts up and it's no longer because now you have your thumb on the pulse at least. Yeah. Now it's like, just I'm in awareness, which means that I am in control of this now, because before when I didn't know there was no control. Yep. And now the control is like, I'm taking ownership. I'm just going to start driving this car and we're going to go somewhere with this. So, um, it's just really exciting thing, you know, and I just, I, I get high from it because <laughs> yeah. I don't get to, it's like, I'm not in it anymore. So when I get to experience that with someone like you, it gets me high and excited, yeah. you know, like, like almost like I'm doing it again you know, thank God I'm not doing it again, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting that excitement because I'm just like, I know that there's something big that you're going to do. It's something yeah. very huge. Um, over time, this is going to be a big win yeah. and that's awesome. So I was just going to ask you, uh, one more thing. What would you say to the younger you? Um, <laughs> let's talk about five Five, no. When did you graduate? Uh, finished my PhD in 2015. So in 2016, when you were out in the work, you know, the workforce and you were making the shit money, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and what would you say to that girl, that woman then, um, you know, knowing what you know now? Well, what I would have told what I would tell the me going into grad school is don't buy a house. Oh, did you buy like, a house when you were in grad school? <laughs> yeah. Like that's a whole other story. I'm not laughing at you. It's totally with you. I it's promise. yeah. It's yeah. All the things. There are so many, I look back and I'm like, yeah, don't make that decision. Um, I get it. So oh, don't get me, me started about my, my real estate issues. Uh, <laughs> that's another day. <laughs> so I think like the beat 2016, um, Ooh, gosh, that's a loaded, loaded question. Um, cause my head's going a bunch of different directions. The first thing that comes to mind is, um, know your worth and know you're worth it. And yes. using that to guide you and be, um, almost like blinders, but not like not like fuck you blinders, but more like use it as your guidance. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, and to put it in context, my last year of graduate school, my father passed. And so there was a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening in that time. And so I think a lot of um, my financial decisions were impacted from the grief, right? Oh, so sure. there, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot in that. Um, 
but I think for me, I'm an Enneagram three and I am hella driven. And what I know about myself, maybe this is the thing that I would tell myself is, you know, you've, you've been working, you work really well when you're going after a big dream. So find that next big dream, right? Find that next thing to, to give you direction, to give you your focus. Cause when I don't have that, I flail and that shows up in my finances, right? When like, you know, I've got this big plan to go do this wild hike thing. And it's probably going to be the most money that I've ever spent on something on an experience for myself. And Mm -hmm. I feel zero ounce of guilt about it. Zero anything other than like 120% amped up. Like I'm telling everybody about it. And And you should. I'm so excited. (laughs) And so already like for me, and again, this is, this is how I work, right? Having that goal and knowing that I can one, achieve it like physically, but two, financially and not Mm -hmm. being scared about it. Like that's a choice everything is so locked in now and I'm already like not buying the Starbucks and not buying the bottle of wine because like health wise, that's not aligned with climbing a fucking mountain, but it's also another $15, another $5 that goes towards the ticket there. Like the plane, the first class seat that my legs are going to need on the way back, you know? (laughs) So we talked a little bit about this in Voxer the other day, but it's so, uh, it's so all about priorities. Like, so when we, we first started talking, like, you know, it was just, you can still do the things that are meaningful to you, but guess what's so cool now is that you're going to be saying those yeses to those things that are really meaningful that you really want. And you're just going to be saying no to these little things that you really don't want. You think yeah. you want them in the moment, right? Like, but you don't, they're not needs. They're just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just, yep. they're just um, distractions really, yeah. right? Like yeah. when you really think about it, like we're just eliminating the distractions by saying, okay, here's your pot and here's what you have to work with. And so we're eliminating the, really the choice in a lot of ways, you know, you're, you've said yes to this big event and to these big goals. And we've got other goals on your list as well. And so you're just saying no to little teeny tiny things that are going to add up to make the money for those big goals. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I can do it because like, that is how you get through grad school, right? Like you, you like set your sight on something and you say the hard no's. And you say the hard yeses and, you know, like, <clears throat> okay, so I bought a house and maybe I bought a car and like had to like redo my wardrobe. But there was a lot of things that I said no to, right? Like other people were going on vacations during grad school and I was like, nah, sorry, I'm going to stay home or I'm going to, yeah, I'm not going to go out or I had this strict budget and I, and yeah. I stayed within it. Um, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I cannot wait. I can't wait to follow your training too. Like, oh my gosh prior to so yeah so we should probably land this plane girl because we are just we are working on the internet cutting out on us yeah oh gosh (laughs) this was so awesome I thank you so much and of course you can tell uh my audience how they can find you and your podcast but of course I'll put it in the show notes as well so go ahead yeah absolutely so um the podcast is beyond the couch it's mental health conversations without the psychobabble and it's on apple and spotify and a whole bunch of other places um and then my instagram is the real dr jehu and it's d-r-j-e-h-u 
And I, awesome. that's where I hang out is on the gram. Yes. All right. Well, you take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Thank and you. And we'll be talking soon. Bye. Sounds good. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you loved it, send it to a girlfriend or send it to five or 10. That would mean the world to me. You can also find me on Instagram at Financial Fixer and feel free to tag me there too. So until next time, my friend, show your future self some love and spend with the end in mind.